Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 273. You know, if you've got something that, that you believe in that you want to do, whether it's an entrepreneurial venture related to cars or not, you know, of course, I think most of your listeners are related to cars. I hate to sound like a Nike slogan, but just do it. Do not hold yourself back. Just take the leap. Everything will work out. You will figure it out. You might fail too, but that's okay. Just just go for it. Don't hold back. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Award-winning author and designer Dwight Knowlton has done it again. His book, The Greatest Race, is now available. The Greatest Race is the story of Sir Sterling Moss's epic and record-crushing win of the 1955 Mille Miglia in the Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR. In collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss himself, Dwight has created a wonderful children's book from this epic race as a follow-up to his best-selling book, The Little Red Racing Car. I have my own copy of The Greatest Race, and I can tell you, this kid's impressed. Like his previous book, this one is printed in the USA. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand, where you can find both of his books, shirts, and more that embrace his seize the road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at carpegear.com, and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're at his website. That's carpegear.com, C-A-R-P-E gear.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up today and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Alex Littlewood. Alex, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to go. All right. I assume you got your helmet in hand, right? Indeed. Yeah, okay. motorcycles don't really have seatbelts, though. So. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Alex Littlewood is the founder and CEO of Motoroso.com, a website for enthusiasts to discover, connect, and purchase everything that powers their lifestyle. Alex launched Motoroso in September of 2014, and there are now over 200 official brand profiles, including Chevrolet, Ducati, Porsche, BMW, DuPont Registry, and many more. Alex lives in Silicon Valley, where he's led successful startup career, including part of a team that was acquired by Google. Motoroso is his first startup venture and was recently accepted to Techstars, considered by many to be the number one accelerator program in the world. Alex raced a motorcycle in the AFM and WERA road racing series and can often be found on the track at Laguna Seca, Sears Point, and Miller Motorsports Park. Alex, I've told our listeners just a little about you. Would you take a moment and share a little more about your career and your passion for automobiles and motorcycles? Absolutely. Well, again, thanks for having me, Mark. I really appreciate it. I'm really excited about the program. Cool. Pretty simple, I think. I, I mean, I've uh, I've been in the startup scene in the Silicon Valley now for, for eight years, but it, it's just such an honor to be able to start working on a company that is, uh, I hope, going to help transform the way enthusiasts uh, experience this lifestyle and to be able to do something that combines my experience in startups with my passion for automotive and motorcycles. It really is a blessing to wake up every single day uh, with that energy, and it really doesn't feel like I go to work. And so this this is just great to be here to 
to talk uh, amongst others that uh, and be in an interview among people just like me. Just like us, yeah. Before I get into that first question I have for you about an inspirational quote, can you explain to our listeners a little more, for those who haven't experienced Motoroso.com, what is your website all about? Certainly. So Motoroso.com, the idea is essentially to bring together content, community and commerce. And if we think about the way that we experience the web today uh, around all of these uh, these enthusiast topics, you kind of have your, your content is scattered across many, many, many different blogs, all of which are, are wonderful. Um, your community is scattered usually across like thousands and thousands of different forums. I mean, if we just look at how many Mustang forums there are alone, there's probably a couple hundred and there's at least 50 big ones. And this is just a, a, pro- a product of how the web evolved for these communities. But there's nothing good out there that really kind of brings them together. And of course, you have your social networks now like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and and uh, and Pinterest, which, you know, again, not probably not as many men using Pinterest. And we know that men uh, are mostly the audience in this segment. And, and then the commerce side of things, you've got big marketplaces like eBay Motors and Amazon. You've got, um, you know, very large, big players in e-commerce. And then you've got the hundreds, probably thousands of smaller retailers. And again, just finding this content is difficult. And so Motoroso brings to, to, to this community a way to conduct visual search for these things. And so this is a concept that was really brought to the web uh, heavily by Pinterest.com, which again is probably a site that not a lot of men are familiar with. And they think that that's a women's website when they think of Pinterest. But what Pinterest is, is a visual search engine. So if you go to Motoroso and you just start searching for things, you're going to get basically eye candy that helps you quickly find things that you're looking for. And then what we do is we add a, an interactive layer to the images that helps you identify. So if you see a car that is slightly lowered and has some really nice wheels and it clearly has a vinyl wrap on it and you you know there's some stuff under the hood but you don't know what motoroso adds an interactive layer that that helps you find the products and the content that's related to that to that image. So you can actually click on the wheels, find out what wheels those are. You can actually click on the hood and find out what parts and accessories have been used to improve the performance of the motor. Um, alongside that you also have video content, articles, and how-tos. And so we try and bring together all the content that any person would want to know uh, related to this image that you found basically to just to let you dive into content. So it's kind of a combination of content search and discovery and exploration. And so it's just a browsing action. But in the future, we're going to add functionality that helps people really plan the projects and the builds that they're doing, connect with their community, and then ultimately be able to also even purchase the products um, that they need uh, sort of in one singular platform. Again, combining that content community and commerce into a single funnel it's really the type of thing that uh, i can honestly say it's an experience it's a web experience that most people in this segment have not really seen before so i encourage people to go to motoroso.com and just start poking around and playing with things create a free profile you can upload all of your own content to the platform just like all the brands can so it's totally a democracy uh, or a democratic process there anybody can contribute um, and use the same interactive tools just like brands like chevrolet and ducati very cool i love so many aspects of what you're creating and building here so for instance Someone like me, a very small player, I'm kind of new in the marketplace uh, with cars. Yeah, I could come to your website and contribute, say, my interviews and make them part. Would it work that way or is it something different? Absolutely. 
See, I think the way you could use it, so just like Pinterest, on Pinterest you have pin boards, right? And these are collections of visual content. On Motorosa, we call those pin boards, we call them garages. Mm-hmm. So these are collections of content. So you might segment it out into cars garage and a motorcycle's garage. You might uh, segment it into like vintage cars, new cars, supercars. Builders, um, automotive artists, authors. Absolutely. All those different segments. Okay. And Very then you cool. Upload, you can upload imagery of, let's say, maybe if you have, uh, let's say you had Mario Andretti on, on the show, you could have five or six photos of Mario Andretti doing his thing, which you know people will search for in the platform. You know right. people will go looking for Mario Andretti and go looking for Indy and Formula One. And, and as they um, search and find this content, then you can link to and embed the the interviews and the links to your articles and your blog posts you can um you can essentially embed that interactive content within the static imagery very cool wonderful idea brilliant idea i love it it's really great as we continue on your journey i always like to start by asking my guest for a success quote it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars yeah alex i know you like being on a bike so instead of saying take the wheel take the handlebars (laughs) <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, gosh, I think the the one that I kind of always fall back to is a very simple one. And it, it's not just a business quote, and it's under promise over deliver. It's very simple. And I think the reason for this quote for me, it, it applies to so many aspects of one's life, because it's really, it's about two things. It's about setting people's expectations, right? Why over promise something and then have to, you know, and, and what if you don't hit that, then you've let that person down. It's just better in almost every interaction in the world to kind of like set someone's expectations to give yourself an opportunity to over deliver and create delight for that person. And I think this can be done in business. I think it can be done in our personal interactions. It's an important one for me that I live by. And I think the second one is is something that I've learned recently from uh, from Techstars, and that is just be helpful first. And the idea is that go into every situation thinking how you can help someone achieve what they want. If you want them to deliver value back when you've delivered value, it's it's now much, much more likely that they'll deliver value back. Well, you took the words out of my mouth when you mentioned uh, relating to Techstars, because when I started Cars Yeah, that was a lot of what I'm trying to do here is provide information, inspirational information to people who wish they would do something around their passion for cars or motorcycles, but they haven't figured out how. So by listening to stories of people like you and others, they can be inspired and say, you know what, if Alex can do this, maybe there's a way I can figure out to do it as well. And with Cars Yeah, obviously a podcast, the content's all free for people to listen to and be inspired by. And it's exactly the approach I've taken to try to create this brand under Cars Yeah. So I think we share a lot of similarities there. When I love what you're doing. And like I told you, I, I, I lost about four hours of a day when I first found out about you because I listened to a bunch <laughs> of your podcast. I had to stop myself because it was affecting my ability to work. <laughs> well, you know, I'll, I'll give you an answer to that. Uh, if you need to start an exercise routine, listen while you're exercising. You can use that excuse. I listen to to podcasts when uh, I'm out doing some exercise or when you're driving in your car. A lot of new cars nowadays have uh, the app for podcast downloads or you can connect to your, you know, your entertainment system. So that's how you feel like you won't, you're not wasting your time. That's the way I handle it. But I get you. It'd be a good excuse to get into the gym more often. I need to be. Yes, I do too. But it's, uh, I appreciate your listenership very much. So would you tell me a story that instigated your passion for cars or motorcycles since you're a bike guy? Tell me about that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car or motorcycle guy. 
Yeah, you know, it's so hard to to really pinpoint. But you know, so my uh, my mom told me that that my first word was train, right, <laughs> and, and and my second word was plane, and so I was clearly fascinated with with anything sort of moving, flying, going fast, and uh, and my dad was also a a hardcore aviation enthusiast, so he you know, had his private pilot's license. He is still extremely um, enamored with the uh, aviation world, especially historic sort of World War II uh, um, warbirds. Um, and so I grew up around that and constantly exposed to that. And my, you know, my dad actually, when I say he was a private pilot, he even went so far as to, to build a home-built airplane. Wow. It. I mean, that that was incredible. And, and that sort of also inspired my sort of um, my interest in the idea of, oh, wow, we can tinker with these things we can build our own and we can make these things happen so i never had a fear of of doing that and getting in of course i did it on bicycles first (laughs) you know you're an entrepreneur so i always like to take a look at some of the roads you travel down and crawl under the hood as i say it or get under the bike and get a little bit dirty and, and ask you to share a huge challenge or great failure that you faced along the way in your career your entrepreneurial journey but the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation and even more so what did you learn from it Oh, wow. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest challenges that I had um, was very recent. And uh, so, you know, of course, I've I've worked in startups for the last, you know, eight to 10 years after I graduated out of college. And I've worked in startups and startups are always challenging. So prior to even starting Motorola, so I probably would have had some great examples of challenges that I faced on that journey. But nothing compares to when you actually start your own venture. You're trying to build something from absolutely nothing. And so every potential challenge and risk and obstacle is, is in your way. And so, um, you know, in the greater sort of grander scheme of things, when, when you're building a, a, a tech startup, it's very, um, you know, it's obviously a little bit tempting, but it's also sometimes very necessary to to try and raise capital to help it go. And so, I, I mean, I spent the last 18 months building Motoroso and I've had no paycheck um, for 18 months. And, and you know, I've, I've had some successes in my career, um, but I can't say that I'm sort of independently wealthy yet or in a position where I can easily fund that just for sort of on a permanent ongoing basis. I, I was able to scrape by and I have been doing, you know, okay during that 18 months to, to, to just whittle my life down and focus on it. But that was not like an unlimited time frame. And mm-hmm. so um, I'm going to segue into a separate story. And that was that in, in 2009, I saw the opportunity with the market having come down significantly to to finally be a homeowner, which frankly, in 2006, 2007, as a young person in early in their career, I had kind of started to think was never going to happen for me. Oh, yeah, bro, home prices were crazy. It was nuts. So, so um, when, when the market came sort of careening down, which it did, I decided to harness that opportunity and say, if I'm ever going to own, now's the time. So I made a lot of sacrifices, including not having cool cars and selling my motorcycles. And I made every sacrifice I could just to pinch every penny I could together. And I, I managed to buy a home in 2009. You know, I live in the Silicon Valley. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so it's a yeah. very expensive area, as everyone knows. And, um, you know, I bought for like $450,000, like a, a total, total piece of junk. I mean, it was literally falling over. It had a chain link fence around it. It was sagging eight inches in one corner of the house. It it needed everything. Mm-hmm. And I spent the next five years and every single weekend of my life restoring this home, starting with the foundation, like literally had to jack the house in the air a foot, 
excavate down, pour new foundation footings, put the house back down. That project alone cost about $100,000. Wow. Then literally everything else, um, new floors, new paint, new walls, complete renovation of the kitchen, complete renovation of the bathroom, added a bathroom, new roof. I mean, literally new electrical, new plumbing, everything. I wasn't doing this to flip the home. I was doing this because I was, I, first of all, I love building things, but also I wanted to build a home that I could potentially even start a family in one day. And it was in a very nice neighborhood in Santa Clara and um, in a great neighborhood where lots of the other houses were fixed. Well, I, I also started this business towards the last sort of 18 months that I was living in, in the house, bringing us literally to today. Well, with those challenges of not necessarily being able to raise funding and I didn't sort of talk about why but essentially Motorosa was still a little too early to be raising money mm -hmm. and also just being in the Silicon Valley this this area likes a lot of techie startups and we're 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 a website and we're tech but we're not like techie tech right, right? we're yeah. we're an execution play we're content we're marketing we're social media and so I had a tough time raising the funding because we we're just a little bit too early on those things. And, and so I, I had to make a decision uh, about whether or not, uh, you know, to keep my home or, or sell my home. Right. And if the, keeping my home meant I would have to continue, you know, bootstrapping and, and struggling along to, to keep the business ticking away at, at small milestones, um, which, of course, was an option. Um, but the other option was to to sell the home and get a, an influx of capital that I could put to work on the business that I, I very much believe in. And I, I've always been a risk taker and I was willing to sort of jump ship from my previous company and start Motoroso and take those risks and those challenges. But this was a big one. And this one involved sacrificing this home that I had invested so much money and time and blood and sweat and tears. <laughs> yeah. Into. Very tough decision. But I did make the decision. I said, the company is more important. I really believe in what I'm doing. And frankly, if the company works, houses are not going to be an issue. Mm -hmm. I, I'll be able to buy houses. That'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, so um, I made that decision. And um, the very interesting part of making that decision is as soon as I made the decision and I put my house in the market, I sold it in two days. Yeah. It, it's, that it's, market's yeah, crazy right now. <laughs> just sold like that for my asking price, which was aggressive too. And yeah, so so it sold so quickly. And then just that process of, okay, getting rid of furniture, whittling my life down was so liberating and allowed me to just shift my focus entirely to the company it was just so powerful for me. And, uh, and then literally on the day that I closed escrow, I got word that we had been accepted to Techstars. And so this was just like an incredible turn of events that literally like, hey, right as soon as you're closing escrow on your home and now you're flexible, you can move anywhere in the world that you want. Now you get to go and be part of this prestigious accelerator that's going to take your business to the next level. And it was just an incredible sort of mark on a true like sort of fork in the road in my life and in my yeah. career. And uh, that that was one of the biggest challenges that I've faced recently. And, you know, I, I made a sacrifice to to do what I thought was right for, yeah. for the business. Explain to our listeners a little bit about Techstars. Certainly. Um, so Techstars um, is a startup accelerator. Um, you've probably heard of incubators and accelerators. The idea of an accelerator is that they uh, surround, they give you a little bit of funding, then they surround you with mentors, advisors, leaders, business professionals, and, and essentially sort of boot camp style education that helps move the business to a next level. And what that usually means is raising venture funding so that you have the capital to hire, advertise, acquire users, grow, you know, 
buy inventory if that's something that you need for your business, whatever it may be, and essentially fueling the growth of the business. And so the concept of accelerators was created by a company called Y Combinator and a guy named Paul Graham in the Silicon Valley, probably close to eight years ago now. And then a bunch of others followed. And Techstars was one of the ones that followed immediately after Y Combinator. And so it's one of the oldest. They've grown to be the biggest. And so Techstars is is the largest accelerator in the world. They've um, they've they've accelerated about uh, 500 companies. And then if you look at their their track record, 90% of the companies in Techstars have, are still active or have been acquired, hmm. um, whereas 10% have failed. And if you look at that in the inverse of- Yeah, it's usually the other way around. <laughs> usually 90% fail. These organizations have gotten really, really good at taking business to the next level. And so the way that they work as far as being accepted into the program is that they run them in what they call batches. And so uh, Techstars uh, has 18 programs worldwide. And they uh, have, you know, the main one started in Boulder, Colorado, but they've got them all over the place, everywhere you can imagine. Uh, and they decided to do a program in Detroit focused on automotive and mobility. And so this was the inaugural program in Detroit focused on uh, on mobility. And when I, so I applied about a year and a half ago and didn't even get the interview, but we'd made enough traction and we'd come far enough. You apply and then you hear back on whether or not you're going to get the interview. And if you get the interview, then they choose 10 companies. So on average, there's definitely uh, nobody really knows how many companies apply except for them themselves. But there's definitely thousands of applicants. Mm -hmm. Then 50 are chosen to interview and 10 are chosen, roughly 10 for each batch. So it's very competitive. And I do also, I mean, for that exact reason, it it really truly is a, a major milestone and a big nod to what we've been able to accomplish so far and a humbling experience to apply interview and to be accepted. And um, I'm just so invigorated and excited, ready to start the program. Cool. Well, congratulations. Absolutely fantastic. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those aha moments in your career when the lights came on and illuminated your way for a new direction or an idea that you had. And tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success. All right. Yeah. Well, this one's easy because um, about eight years ago when I was pretty fresh out of college, I, I had really seen for myself this path to big companies. I thought, oh, I want to be in big old companies like, you know, um, Nestle or Procter & Gamble or, you know, Amazon. And I want to rise through the ranks of executives and all that. And I started off on that path working for a very large company and I just immediately recognized that I didn't fit. <laughs> that entrepreneurial spirit does not fit too well into those big kind of siloed companies. It doesn't. I just had way too many opinions and ideas and ambitions. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I just said, you know, I want to work in a smaller company. And so yep. I transitioned into a very small upstart agency. It had uh, been around for a couple of years and I got to put my passions to work there. And I rose very quickly through that agency and we had a bunch of startup clients. And so I said, oh, well, this is this is really the direction I want to go. And so then I switched into actually being a, on the what you would call client side, but I was really just joining a startup team. So for the next seven years, I worked on startup teams. I, I worked for some great companies. The most notable was Wildfire. It was a, um, a social media marketing platform. Mm-hmm. Um, we grew like absolute wildfire. Sorry for the pun. <laughs> and we were acquired by Google. So I got to go through that whole process to see you know, the process of pitching to an acquirer and then them buying the company and us moving through that whole experience was 
extremely educational. And I also then got to learn how Google operates and what a great company that is to work for. But again, being a very big, big company. And I had my my taste for startups was just my appetite was wet. And so it didn't last that long. I was already looking for other startups to join. And I found a great one that, that was focusing on Pinterest marketing and analytics, which was a great transition because Pinterest was on the rise. I was coming out of a social media um, software company that was had done really, really well. And I got to put all those learnings to to work in that startup. And I got to take on a much more senior role than I'd been holding. So I, I took on the VP of uh, marketing role there. I was employee, I think, number five, roughly. We grew from zero to 250 customers in nine months. We grew from zero to a million dollars in revenue very, very, very quickly. And I just really learned that I was capable of a lot in a very short period of time Mm -hmm. in startups. And I actually never really thought I would be a founder. A lot of people told me along the way that they thought I would be. But see, the reason I didn't think I would be a founder is because I didn't think I had like the idea that I could be passionate enough about, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're going to start a company... You have to be really passionate about that thing to be able to get up and live and breathe it every day for 10 years. Yep, absolutely. But in that Pinterest marketing and analytics company, um, what I got to see was just how powerful the mechanism of Pinterest is for helping people to quickly visually discover content and aspire to the things that they want and how that led into purchase behavior. And so I'm getting a little bit nerdy about sort of marketing here, but I also got exposed to a company called house.com and I started using it to remodel my home. Mm. <laughs> and that was when I really realized I said, Oh, this, this whole concept of content community and commerce serving a vertical is big. It's really big and it's really a better way to use the web. And nobody is doing this for automotive and power sports. Yep. Yeah. And so um, I said, somebody should really be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Houses is a wonderful site. And uh, when you were describing how Motorosos develop houses, what came to mind for me. So absolutely. Yeah. And it was a big inspiration. And, and I'm sitting there saying, wow, somebody should really do this. And, and it didn't take a whole lot longer. I, I couldn't sleep at night. I'm like, I should do this. Right. I mean, <laughs> who knows more about the visual web? Who knows more about social media? Who lives in the Silicon Valley? I mean, like I, I kind of had, and I had to talk myself into this. Like, yeah, you you are the guy. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you try? Like, why wouldn't you at least try? Because all companies that became something big, somebody just gave it a go. Yep. Yeah. Right, at some point, right? And so that that was that was the moment that I realized I was going to be a founder, and and I. It was only about three weeks later when I quit my job. Uh, <laughs> and there you go, <laughs> down the I road. Couldn't stop thinking about it. Uh, it. It just had to happen. And so, yeah, that was that was the the process that I went through of realizing that the industry really, really needed this and wanted it because I started talking about it, telling people the ideas, sketching up drawings of it, and getting great feedback. And and it just had to happen. So that was how I started Motoroso. How about proudest moments? Is there one in particular? that you could share with us that stands out for you? Yeah, sorry. I, I, I hate to repeat a story, but um, I mean, I think the mo- the day that Motoroso went live, that was a big moment mm-hmm. um, and it felt like a huge milestone. But, you know, that's still only just the beginning. Like you would think the beginning is when you start the company and you start building it. But really when it goes live is still just the beginning. And I really still feel like we're just at the beginning. But my proudest moment hands down was when I got the call 
that we were accepted to tech stars. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so yeah. So I'll repeat <laughs> that program. But I mean, you know, this is a company where, or this is a fund or an accelerator that doesn't accept a lot of the companies that apply to it. I mean, they say no to a lot of people. And it's just such a huge validation of the work that we're doing, the vision that we have. And having, you know, a team of that caliber say, hey, we want you to be a part of this is, um, it, it, it's definitely the, the greatest accomplishment, I think, of my career so far. Yeah. But again, it going into Techstar, it's still just the beginning. Like, I have so much work to do, and I'm going to be humbled on day one when we get there. Like, we've got a lot of work to do, and they're going <laughs> to, they're going to, push us in the right direction and it's going to be a tremendous amount of work. And I think it's important to go into it with that mindset. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special vehicle? And if you could share a memory you had with that car or that bike. Okay. Yeah. So for me, it was a bike. You know, I'm sure a lot of people here say is their first car. You know, I'm going to do two. <laughs> I got to do my first car. So, you know, I told you earlier that my dad was, you know, he was a, an airplane guy. He literally built an uh, airplane in our garage and he knew that I loved all this stuff. And he said, he came to me when I was about 15 years old, knew I was going to be, you know, driving soon. He said, you know, so what, what kind of car do you want? Right. And I'm all stoked. And I, you know, he's oh, great. Dad's going to buy me a car. And I'm like, I want a GTI. I was fixated on the GTI. Seemed like a really fun car. And, you know, he just told me, he's like, great, get a job. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like my parents. <laughs> yeah. You know, which I, I look back on and, you know, he helped me a little bit with buying it, but he really insisted that I earn it. Yeah. You know, at the time you're mad about it because you're in high school and you're like, just buy me a car. Friends are getting cars bought for them. But I, I, I've thanked him several times for doing that. Of course. Because it really taught me the, you know, the, the value of a day's work and going out there and earning something that you want. It's a very important thing for a young person to learn. And, and the day that I got that GTI and, and oh my God, I, I absolutely wreaked havoc on San Jose in that car. I, <laughs> you know, that I, I put, you know, money into the handling and the tires and the stereo and I, I, you know, got an exhaust system for it. And I had a lot of fun getting that car to the, you know, perform better and driving it around until literally until the day that I slid it in the rain into a curb and snapped the axles clean off of it. Uh oh, <laughs> uh -oh. yeah. <laughs> you know, there was a, a lot of memories, but uh, the day I got it was definitely a big day and the day I destroyed it was a sad day. And so yeah. I think I really remember those things and I certainly took better care of the of the vehicles I had after that. And it was nothing expensive or fancy. It was all I could afford, but it was that first vehicle. And I, I learned a lot about cars in that, in owning that vehicle. Yeah. The one, the bike that really stands out for me, uh, was the Triumph Daytona 675. Mm, uh, wow. And so I'm actually from England. Um, I was born there and my family immigrated here when I was two years old. And so mm. my parents are both British and I have that sort of British pride and upbringing. And I've always had a special place in my heart for Triumphs and Nortons and Aston Martins and McLarens. And when Triumph announced that they were going to enter the sport bike market with the 675, this was a, a three-cylinder bike that was going to have, you know, the low down torque and the up high revs and power. Um, and it was going to be better for taller riders. I'm six foot three. So I always struggled on, on sport bikes. I knew I wanted this bike and it was a really sexy design too. And so I, I it was the first brand new vehicle that I bought. All right, Alex, next question is very introspective. If you were a car or a bike, what kind would you be and why? Uh, I want to be something really cool and sexy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I didn't say what do you want to be. Yeah. What are you? Certainly. I you know, I think I'm um I, I I'm a pickup truck. I'm like a Silverado or an F one fifty, right? I <laughs> you know, I'm a new one. Uh maybe I've got some wheels and a lift kit and maybe I've got an exhaust system, right? But uh, yeah. you know, I think of myself really as as a workhorse. Sure. You know, I've I've got the stamina to keep working and just keep going and I'm tireless and um you know, I kinda I blend in a little bit. I don't stand out that much as a as a person, like in crowds. I guess the other reason is you'd often see me connected to a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nothing like a truck. Yeah, have a bike in the back, so yeah. Yeah, I wish I wish I was something like a, you know, a Ferrari or something, but no. Well, we all do, but uh, you know, we can't all be supermodels. That's right. And supermodels and Ferraris are really high maintenance anyway, so It's true. <laughs> different than a workhorse. Now, I like the way you answer that. That's why I asked that question. So Alex up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, Here's a word from our Cars yeah sponsor. No more worries about a dead battery. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium-ion technology that'll start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology and a reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle every time. It includes a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight, and it easily recharges with USB outlets so you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality, design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at Genius Chargers Okay, Alex, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You've been on the track. You know what this means. The white flag is out. Time to twist the throttle, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some really quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Ready. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Always look through the turns. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Could you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? Well, that one's tough because I'm not really like a super habit type of person. But what I would say is I am both adaptable and tenacious. And I so be able to adjust, make quick changes, but just never give up when it's what you're working towards. Yeah, it's great. You know, that uh, ability to pivot, tenacity, perseverance, so important in an entrepreneur, and especially with this uh, great adventure you're starting up here. Do you have a resource that you think the Cars Yow listeners would really enjoy? <laughs> well, I, it, that's my opening for shameless <laughs> self-promotion. Of course. So to visit Motoroso.com, sign up for an account, and uh, please uh, upload some content. I think you'll really enjoy this new experience that we're bringing to the web. Absolutely. One of the things I'm going to do is as soon as we're done with this interview, would you share a book that you think the listeners would really enjoy reading? Oh, I have so many in the past, but the one I've just recently been turned on to, it, it has a lot to do with tech stars. It's uh, Do More Faster mm. uh, by Brad Feld and David Cohen, who are the founder, or some of the founders of, of Techstars. Uh, really good stuff. I uh, highly recommend that one. Perfect. Thank you. That's great. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources at carsyad.com slash Alex Littlewood. All right, Alex, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost because today I'm going to buy you whatever you'd like. And I'll include motorcycle if you'd like in this one. <laughs> what would that one vehicle be and why? Yeah, you know, there's there's so many. It's, it, it, again, very hard, I'm sure, for everybody. But I guess mine would be, 
I think the McLaren P1, frankly, because it's such an indication of innovation and bringing new technologies. And I think it's really a sign of, of what's to come. Plus, it would be such an amazing car to own and to drive. I, that would have to be my choice. P1, yeah, they're beautiful. Ned, do you have a favorite color? Because I need to make sure I order the right color for you. <laughs> I like uh, I like graphite gray. I think you can choose almost any color with that car, if I recall rightly. But yeah, I'm a big fan of gray sports cars. Graphite gray, cool. Well, the McLaren P1, very, very cool car, wonderful. You've taken me on a great ride today, my friend. I knew you would, and I really enjoy your stories, and I'm really excited for you on this next great segment of Motoroso.com. It's absolutely fantastic. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off in the sunset in that McLaren? <laughs> you know, if you've got something that, that you believe in that you want to do, whether it's an entrepreneurial venture related to cars or not, you know, of course, I think most of your listeners are related to cars. I hate to sound like a Nike slogan, but but just do it. You do, do not hold yourself back. Just take the leap. Everything will work out. It You will figure it out. You might fail too, but that's okay. Just Just go for it. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Go for that opening. Uh, dive into that corner and just go for it. Great advice. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about Motoroso.com? Is it your website? Yeah, Motoroso.com is the best place. You can also find us on places like Crunchbase and AngelList. Um, and if you have any interest, if you maybe own a car-related company, you'd like to have a profile for your brand on Motoroso, um, if you're in the industry, please do reach out. Um, we are about to launch a very cool new feature for shop owners uh, and businesses that focus on enthusiasts. So that's going to be a really exciting new feature that we're going to roll out. Don't hesitate to reach me at alex at motoroso.com. Awesome. Great. Well, listeners, again, you can find all these links on Alex's show notes page at carsyad.com. Just put Alex in the search bar and his page will pop right up. Alex, thank you for being today so generous with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. My pleasure, Mark. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Yeah.